begin by reading you a story. How many of you like stories? I love stories. I love stories. In fact, I think some of the things I've learned the best and retained the most have been because they were contained in the story. And I remember the story, and then I can recreate the teaching, the message for me. So this story is called Excuses, Excuses. Mrs. Paul is a choir director of the Westside Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska. Her daughter, Marilyn, is a church pianist. Neither has ever been late for choir practice. To the contrary, both are in the habit of arriving 15 minutes early. It's Wednesday evening, March 1st, 1950, 7 o'clock. Choir practice begins at 7.30. Mrs. Paul calls to her daughter upstairs. They should be leaving now. It's almost time. No answer. Mrs. Paul returns to her last-minute preparation, and the minutes are ticking away. It is 7.15 p.m. when she realizes her daughter is asleep. So Mrs. Paul goes upstairs, awakens her daughter. There's only time to tidy up and settle out. This will be the first time either Mrs. Paul or her daughter Marilyn has ever been late for choir practice. Their perfect attendance record is now broken. But you know what? There are 18 members in the Westside Baptist Church Choir, and each and every one that very same night is also late for practice. All 18 have perfectly valid excuses, and all are late. You've heard the excuse of Mrs. Paul, the choir director. Her daughter, her daughter Marilyn, the church pianist, had fallen asleep after dinner and didn't awaken in time. But the others had excuses, too. LaDonna Vandergrift, a high school sophomore, was having trouble with her homework. Like Mrs. Paul and her daughter, Mrs. Vandergrift knew practice began promptly, and she was always coming early, but this evening she was detained by a particularly difficult geometry problem. Royena Estes and her sister Sadie were ready to leave the house on time, but the car wouldn't start. So the two sisters called Mrs. Vandergrift and asked her to pick them up. Mrs. Vandergrift was working on her geometry problem, remember? And the Estes sisters had to wait. Ordinarily, Mrs. Schuster was 10 minutes early for choir practice. The night of March 1st, she was detained at her mother's house. The two were preparing for a later meeting that evening. Herb Kiff was at his own home. He would have been early too, but there was this important letter that he had to write. He'd been putting it off for some time. And you know, the time got away from him. Excuses, excuses. Joyce Black would probably not have been early. She would have been on time, though. It was just so cold out that evening. She wanted to stay in the house until the last possible minute. Remember, this is Nebraska, right? So she was late. Harvey All would have been on time, but his wife was out of town. That left him in charge of their two young sons. A friend had invited Harvey and the two boys out for dinner. They had a pleasant conversation that carried them away. And so Harvey was late. Lucille Jones and Dorothy Wood were high school girls. They lived next door to each other. Lucille was listening to a half-hour radio program that began at 7 o'clock. She just had to hear how it ended. Dorothy waited for her. 
Pastor Klempel and his wife were always on time for choir practice, but not that evening, not the evening of March 1st. Pastor Klempel's wristwatch, the accuracy of which he was always so proud, that night and only that night was five minutes slow. The remaining choir members had equally valid excuses for their tardiness, excuses, excuses, 18 in all. Never before, nor since, had each and every choir member of the Westside Baptist Church been late for choir practice on the very same evening. That was Wednesday, March 1st, 1950. Choir practice scheduled as usual for 7.30 p.m. No one showed up at 7.30. That is the rest of the story. 7.30 p.m. was the time when a natural gas leak surfacing in the basement of the Westside Baptist Church was ignited by the furnace. The church blew up and was demolished. The old furnace of the Westside Baptist Church was directly below the choir loft, the empty choir loft. Yeah, yeah. What, what was that? I think you'd be a fool. We'd be a fool to say we knew for sure what it was, but something, something happened, right? That put each and every of those 18 members in a place that caused them to be late for their choir practice. And each and every one of them was saved from disaster, more than likely, was saved from death. There are so many stories that are like that in where we just step back and go, my goodness, what's going on there? I say it's the God thing. I say I don't really believe in coincidence. I really don't believe in chance. I think that it's those things that we call coincidence, those things that we call chance, it's like that quote I read earlier that we use those names because we just don't see the levers and pulleys. We just don't have an answer that kind of makes black and white sense in our minds, and we're trying to make a sense of something that, that defies logical explanation, and yet you can't deny that there are things like this that happen, right? where we find ourselves in exactly the right place at the right time, or we are avoided and kept from being in a place where we shouldn't be. It's as if there's this life for us, this presence, this wisdom, this something that either brings us to our good or keeps us from harm. And if we can be more mindful of that, if we can be more aware, if we can be more open to that, I think the benefit is that we find ourselves much more frequently being in the right place at the right time to experience our good, to experience a blessing. Not your head, if you've ever had something like that, probably not as dramatic, as the choir members, maybe, and if you have, please tell me, because I want to collect it as stories and share it. But I bet you've had situations in your life where you were exactly at the right place at the right time for something that you really needed, right? 
It may have been an answer to a problem. It may have been somebody that could help you. It may have been support that you didn't think was ever going to come your way. And yet there it was because you were in the right place at the right time. Think of how many other things would have had to have happened for that to be so for you. To me, that in a way in itself is a miracle, right? All the things that had to transpire in the lives of those 18 members, from very mundane things like difficult geometry problems and getting carried away in a conversation to all the other excuses, right? All the things that had to conspire for none of those 18 people to be there on time and therefore to have suffered the injury that happened when the furnace blew up. So at times I think that we can say it's spirit, it's God, it's divine presence that is either keeping us from harm's way or bringing us at just the place we need to be for the miracle, the answer to our prayer that we're looking for. Here's another story. It's a story of a woman by the name of Betty Galvano. She was actually at a much younger age, and this, was, this story happened in 1994. I forget when she was a model, but she was a pretty high-ranking model um, during her earlier years. But this particular situation in her life happened in a very ordinary place. It happened in the kitchen. She was in the kitchen, and she was chopping some vegetables for dinner. And years had passed, and she wasn't a model anymore. Um, but she had always been very active, very physical. She was a mom. She had kids, um, lots of responsibilities. And in her athletic days, she had suffered an accident. She had jumped off of like a, a, a ledge or a seawall or something and had taken a pretty bad fall and had really injured her hip. And so she had some surgery done, and the surgery involved a, a, a steel rod of about 10 inches put in, I guess, to secure the bones in the, the hip. But she was always in a tremendous amount of pain. And as years progressed and the pain got worse, her mobility lessened as well. And so she would often either need a, um, a cane or a walker. So she's in the kitchen at the sink chopping up vegetables. Her husband's on the other side of the kitchen helping her as well. When all of a sudden... She is literally thrown from where she's standing to the other side of the kitchen where her husband is, and then back again. Now, stop for just a moment and imagine how astonishing and disorienting something like that would be. You see your wife standing chopping vegetables, and all of a sudden she's catapulted as if something forced her across the room, and something, in fact, did and then right back again, where she was very shaken, and obviously her husband was very shaken as well, and he takes her to the, the living room and sets her on the couch, and they're kind of, kind of stunned, and she's bewildered, and he's very, very worried about her, and she seems you know, only partly incoherent. And he asks her how she is, and she says, kind of like, I think I'm okay, and she says, I see a rainbow. And he looks and he thinks that's kind of odd because there's not a cloud in the sky. It's a beautiful, clear day, not a cloud in the sky. 
And he tells her that, and she thinks, well, maybe I'm dying. Maybe I'm, you know, hallucinating seeing this, this rainbow. And they look more carefully. And sure enough, there is not a cloud in the sky. There's not even like a sprinkler Sprinkling, you know how sometimes you can see a rainbow from the, the, the dewdrops of a sprinkler? There's not even, not even that. Not even that. And so after a few hours passes, she gets up and figure they don't know what it was that happened, but she, she gets up and she notices she doesn't have any pain. That she has, she's able to move her leg and her hip in a way that she hadn't been able to for years. She has no, she has no pain. And it, it makes no sense to her. So she goes to the doctor to be checked out. And the doctor does this examination and says, you know, everything seems to be just fine. The only thing that I think would have happened, this is the doctor saying to her, the only thing that I think could have happened is that you were struck by a bolt of fair weather lightning out of the blue. You were at exactly the right place at exactly the right moment. Amazing. There's a book about her story, and the title of the book is Zapped by the Spirit. Zapped by... If spirit, if life, if this force for good wants to work through people being delayed to show up for choir practice, if it wants to work through a fair weather bolt of lightning, who are we to doubt it? Who are we to not have a mind and a heart that remains open enough that these things do happen? That there is so much that we can do with our own minds. And I'm an advocate for continuing to, to, to learn new things, for being curious, for questioning, for exploring, for studying, for using this wonderful faculty of our minds, but to also leave a tremendous amount of room around that mind for what we might call coincidence or chance or luck or a miracle. I rather suspect that those things move in and through the lives of those who are a little more open than those who are completely shut and skeptic. Our spiritual practice helps us to keep a flexible mind. Our spiritual practice helps us to grow in faith and wisdom, but to also leave room for this or something better, for this or a new way, for this or another possibility. It never excuses us from doing the work that is ours to do. We need to show up. We need to do the best that we can to use our minds, to use our talents, to use our heart, to use our, our abilities but to know that we do that not in a vacuum all by ourselves, but that we live and move and have our being in what I like to call this great mystery. I'm kind of glad that I don't know how all these things work. How about you? But I want to know that they can and do. I want to be tickled with surprise and delight when they do and be open and receptive that there are ways for my life to work, answers to come for through me, 
that can't come only through my mind, but my mind has to be open and it has to be receptive to not only my own way of thinking and being, but this other way of thinking and being. Is that you, God? Is that you, spirit? Is that you, life? Is that you, the one mind and the one presence? Is that you moving me toward my good? Is that you moving me or keeping me away from harm? And sometimes I think that presence, that power, works with a sense of humor. One of our members shared this with me just this past week. She told me a story about a friend of hers, a very close friend, actually, a loved one. She said this loved one had shared with her about being in a relationship that wasn't working. And both the man and the woman knew that the relationship wasn't working, but they weren't ready to end it. They were in a state of, of inertia, but they knew it wasn't good for them. They knew it wasn't good for, for them. And they were going to a public event. And as they were going to a public event in the car, they got into an argument. They were just really fear, feeling that distance and just that just not happy with each other. And the woman held in prayer, God, help me know what is the right thing to do with this relationship. God, give me a sign. Have you ever asked for that? You know, God, give me. And I always say, and make it really clear. And make it really clear. Make it, make it impossible for me to ignore. Spirit, speak to me in ways that are impossible for me to ignore. That's, that's one of my approaches. And so this, this woman, with regard to the relationship that wasn't working, ask for that kind of guidance. And so as they get out of the car and they're going out and walking toward the area where this public event is happening, the very first thing she sees is a guy wearing a t-shirt and in big, bold, capital letters are the words, dump him. <laughs> what are the chances of that? Right? What? A, you know, my friend didn't tell me whether the woman went and followed with that. But you know, when we put it out there in earnestness, we may not always get such a clear message as that. But when we put it out there in earnestness, we certainly increase the odds and the chances that we're going to get something reflected back from the universe. And we'll know it because we'll feel it inside in a way where we go, that's it. That's it. I've told you before, mine wasn't a funny thing, but it was something that came to me at just the right moment. And this goes back a lot of years, but it was such a vivid moment of me speaking, not silently, but out loud in the car to my husband, John. We were having so many challenges trying to put together the finances and everything needed to buy this building. And I was just feeling so heavy and afraid. And I said to him, I just need a sign. And we pull up to a red light and the car right in front of us and a big one where the bumper of that car was like eye level with us was a bumper sticker, no fear. And as simple as that was, and I'm sure there were plenty of cars that day with that same bumper sticker on, but there was only one me in that moment of real worry and real sadness and real fear 
saying, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And it was exactly what I needed. It was exactly what I needed. And so just wrap this up with you in, in this way. I don't know what it is that you might be working toward in your life. I don't know what it is that you might be working through that feels heavy or difficult. Whatever it is, make room in your practice to hold it in prayer and to ask and ask to be shown in ways that are clear to you the answer. The answer. Ask it in earnest and stay with it, not from a place. Earnest doesn't mean desperate. It means, from, to me, from a deep place of humility and vulnerability. It's as if your soul is saying to the universe, I need some help. I don't know the answer. I don't know the direction. I don't know what to do. Help me to know. When we ask in earnest and we're end, and we're paying attention, there will be something that happens. There will be something we hear. It could be a phrase and a song on the radio. It could be a message in a podcast that we just happen to accidentally turn on. Ha, ha, ha. Accidentally. It could be, I've had people tell me, a book fell from my shelf in my study and opened to a page, and I read the page, and I had my answer. Who are we to limit the ways that spirit, that God, that the one, whatever you want to call that, could speak to us, support us, and guide us? I want to close with these words from M. Scott Peck. He wrote, as a scientist, I expect statistical proof whenever possible to convince me of most things. But as I continue to mature, I become more and more impressed by the frequency of statistically highly improbable events. In their very improbability, I began to see the fingerprints of God. Namaste. God bless you.